Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the TT Time with Dr. Tarver is a podcast that is intended to encourage wellness. It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a trained mental health professional. So June is LGBTQ uh, Pride Month and I wanted to do an episode today based on something related to the queer community but if you will allow me to diverge from that I want to take this time to instead focus on something else that is near and and dear to me and um, dedicate this episode to a young lady from my hometown who recently made her transition Uh, she died this past week and she had a very public battle with cancer and she kicked cancers but and we were so very proud of her in that in that journey she was a light she had a, 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 a infectious smile and was very positive person and did a lot to advocate for breastfeeding uh, particularly amongst black women and constantly was sharing beautiful pictures of her family and, and just a joy and so a community is really hurting over her her loss um, and I think that probably most of you have been affected in some way by cancer and it is always hard when cancer comes back uh, and it ends up just kind of wreaking havoc on a person's body and, and a person's life and so um, it did come back with a vengeance but this episode Conversations about C, Everybody Hates Cancer, is dedicated to Miss Tika Weekly. Um, so there's probably no one that hasn't experienced some kind of casualty related to cancer. Uh, cancer just about wiped out the maternal side of my family from breast cancer to brain cancer, ovarian cancer, and there's just been a lot of things that have happened in my family, I've lost several family members to cancer. I have a sister that just uh, absolutely came through, uh, survived a bout of, of breast cancer. And, you know, it is probably in, in every church, uh, in every community organization, families, friends, um, in your work environments where you have known people who have either survived and thrived or who lost their battle with cancer. Um, cancer is one of those things that doesn't discriminate. It affects children, it affects older people. It, it doesn't care about your ethnicity, though there are certain groups that are higher risk factors um, for particular types of, of cancers. And I just wanna kinda highlight some of those from the National Institute of Health. And so we do know that um, there are some things that put us more at risk how we eat, our ethnicity, our gender, where we grew up, if you were around toxins. Um, there have been several lawsuits in, in cities and states uh, uh, across the country where people have um, not realized what had been dumped into their backyards or what was hanging over, over their heads that increased their likelihood of cancer. Um, African-Americans are actually three times at higher risk for developing certain types of cancer like esophageal cancer, um, 
two times at higher risk for multiple myeloma, liver cancer, cervical cancer, stomach cancer, uh, 50% higher risk for cancers related to the larynx, prostate, oral cavity, pharynx, pancreas, and lung, while our, our white Americans have higher risk factors for melanoma and cancers of thyroid, breast, bladder, leukemia, lymphoma, ovary, testes, and brain. Women have higher risk factors for thyroid and gallbladder cancer. White women are at a higher risk uh, for postmenopausal breast cancer, while African Americans are at a higher risk for premenopausal breast cancer, which is why those breast uh, cancer screens are so important. Um, Southern women, especially in rural areas, have higher rates of uh, oral cancer. You all may have grown up, as I did, in the South with people who we called a dip and snuff. Uh, and so that was very common, um, and we uh, see baseball players also um, with the chewing tobacco risk is uh, that get your risk factors up higher. Men have higher rates of liver cancer, uh, and and you know of course what we put into our bodies, we know that things are processed and uh, hormones are added and 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 things to make stuff prettier and bigger, right? So that also affects us women uh, hormones that we take. Like I said, environmental exposures, uh, use of tobacco products and alcohol, um, in addition to what we ingest, um, you know, just in terms of everyday things, like you put we, deodorant, powder, uh, things that we're learning now put us at higher risk uh, for cancer. So what are some of, some of the psychological effects of cancer? The National Cancer Institute highlighted a few things that I want to cover because I think, and, and so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to talk about some of the things that affect people once they receive a diagnosis and then also us as, as loved ones who are also um, trying to manage this loved one we have who we feel sometimes very helpless about being able to, to support in the system after they receive a diagnosis because we know cancer affects everyone in the, in the family unit. Um, and then I wanna talk about some strategies for a person who has been diagnosed, um, being able to manage all of these these factors. And then I want to talk about um, the transition of what happens when this loved one dies. And then we've got uh, things that we're dealing with and, and, and ways to be able to manage. So I'm going to try to make good use of my time here. So um, as one can imagine, it is a, a, a large emotional response to hearing the words, we found cancer. <laughs> when we did your scan, right? Or your tumor markers are up. Some people are on this cycle of every three months going back to see a provider because they had a previous incidence of cancer. Some of us are doing preventative things because we have a family history of cancer and we know that our risk factors are high. People have to make decisions about um, if they wanna have surgeries to remove certain things to decrease their risk factors. And so you can be just on an emotional roller coaster, receiving a diagnosis, receiving a diagnosis again after you've um, recovered, uh, hearing about other family members, getting a test and recognizing like, okay, my risk factors are high. And so it is understandable that you would be overwhelmed. And I think the first place we go to, of course, is what happens if I die? What happens if I don't make it through this? Um, maybe I'm in a higher stage. So by the time it's found out, I'm in stage three or four. Um, so what does that really mean for me? Maybe this cancer is rare. 
And so what is the likelihood that I'll be able to beat it? Um, how am I going to be affected by these treatments? What is my quality of life going to be when I start treatments? Am I ever going to be back to normal? Am I going to be able to work again, do things that I enjoy? What a lot of times we think about the people that we might leave behind, partners and children. Um, maybe I've got a mother that I was taking care of and now I've gotten this diagnosis and, and you just feel so helpless and, and lonely. Um, the person with the diagnosis and family members, we feel helpless and lonely too. What does this mean for the, for the family unit? It can be very scary for children uh, to learn that their, their parent or parents may have cancer or grandparents. Uh, and, and, and there's just this lack of, of, of safety because you just feel like everything was taken away from you. And so when you hear that, uh, expression, that statement, you, know, you have cancer, it is very common for people just to be in shock. Like you just are numb. You can't believe what you heard. I think those are the most feared words. That's why we call it the big C, right? Nobody wants to talk about that. It, that is sometimes why people end up, by the time they find out they have cancer, they're so far along in the stages because they took so long to go to the doctor because we're afraid nobody wants to go and hear those words and so I think one of the ways that we try to manage that fear is that we just don't go right so I, I don't know um, in, in our minds that means it can't can't happen um, and so sometimes we're we're you know at too late a point for intervention by the time we go and then there's that realization um, just like you feel like you're in a dream and I think sometimes we wake up and we're like, okay, did that really happen? Maybe that didn't happen. Maybe that was a nightmare. Um, and sometimes we may want to get another opinion. That's very common too. Like, let me make sure this is accurate. Um, sometimes that's for disbelief, but, but sometimes we just, just want to be certain. Um, anger, why me? Mad at God. Um, I think we internalize some of that anger. What did I do to deserve this? You feel like you're being punished. Um, start thinking back over your life. If I had made a different decision, maybe I didn't need to get those scans. I put myself at higher risk. Um, all the things I heard about microwaves growing up, maybe I stood too close to the microwave too many times. You just immediately go to that place of, okay, I, 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 clearly I must have done something to des deserve this. Um, and, and you can have that resentment grow towards yourself about, like, I, I did something um, to mess my life up in some kind of way. Or what am I doing to my family um, and being angry at your for yourself about that the expenses that are associated with cancer treatment um, that becomes something that we can get very angry and frustrated about um, fear and worry of course like definitely as we talked about I mean you're scared what's gonna happen um, you can just be in panic uh, feeling very helpless and you just get these treatment options. Do I want to go through chemo? Do I want to go through radiation? Do I want to get um, something removed uh, to reduce the risk factors? Um, am I going to be in significant pain during this? Am I going to be able to handle all if you've ever um, experienced cancer or known someone with cancer and, and getting ports put in and blood draws and, um, you know, weekly cancer treat. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very involved process. And I, and I think that we are so afraid of being able to handle that because it feels like so much because it is a lot, a lot for our bodies to, to be able to manage, to be able to manage that aggressive type of treatment, things that we, we think about, am I going to be able to take care of my family? Am I going to be able to take care of myself? How am I going to, I can't work. How am I going to be able to, to, to support them if I, if I'm not able to, and, and of course, that, that fear of dying, which is normal. I, there is, um, 
I think there's just a lot of stress reactions that we experience, heart rate going up. Um, sometimes our appetite is just decreased. You just don't feel like eating anything. And chemo can have that effect on your body too. You're, you're tired. Um, you might feel weak and dizzy. Um, that they're, they're just not at rest, just kind of um, a constant state of, of maybe somewhere between agitation and, and restlessness, not having the ability to concentrate in the same way. Um, sleep is probably a struggle. Um, maybe that you're sleeping too much. Maybe you're trying to sleep it away. Like I'm just going to hopefully wake up from this nightmare at some point. Um, and stress can affect how our bodies heal. So that's, of course, always a concern, being able to manage all of that stress. Sadness and depression, right, because we're feeling really helpless. And, and sometimes you feel like that burden and making these changes that you have to adjust to, which is understandable that you might feel depressed uh, and hopeless, right? So, so what if this doesn't get better? And when I'm, when I'm experiencing my day, it feels like it's such a drain. Everything is so much harder sometimes. Um, you can feel just numb emotionally throughout your day. It's almost like you're just checked out and, and you are missing time uh, as, as you get lost in your thoughts. Uh, you might be irritable, short-tempered, moody. You might find yourself crying. Um, you may not want to cry in front of people, so you may be in your shower crying or in your closet crying. Um, so worried about other people, it's hard for you to kind of take care of yourself. You're not enjoying things anymore. It's hard for you to really find joy uh, in, in, in things, um, everyday things, wanting to talk to people. You might be more isolated. And um, you could get to a point where, where there's suicidal thought that comes from this, this depression, particularly if you're in later stages of cancer and you're thinking like, I don't want to have to live like this and go through this and I'm going to get worse um, if this is a terminal cancer. Um, I think sometimes, you know, of course the body reacts to treatment. And so there could be diarrhea that comes along, upset stomach. And, um, you might find yourself just, just sweating and uncomfortable and headaches and other body aches and pains. And so that can be a really difficult time as you think about what, what is going to be something I find enjoyable during that time when I just feel icky every day, guilt. Um, and that's the blame piece. Um, but, but we also feel guilty because we start getting envious of other people's health sometimes. Like, why am I dealing with this? Like this person smoked and drank for 60 years and they didn't get any cancer. Here I am eating healthy and exercising. Why do I have to be the one to get cancer? And then we feel bad about that. Like, oh, I don't want to wish cancer on people, but you know, you're dealing with a lot of emotions. And so it's very understandable to have that. Um, as a as a reaction, but we hold that in. We don't want to talk to people about that because we feel like such an awful person for having those thoughts that are absolutely normal. The loneliness, because people are going on, right, with their lives, and sometimes it's easy to be forgotten about. I think people, we rally around folks when, when they first get diagnosed, but then we, we lose tra track of what treatment it is for them and where they are in the process. Um, we're too sick to maybe go out and do things uh, with other people and so it just feels like we're being left behind or maybe I just don't um, feel connected to people any anymore because sometimes we struggle with what is my identity now um, because this becomes a part of us this going to treatment and 
um, you know, this, this, this big C label that has been placed on me. And so, um, you know, I'm feeling a lot of different ways. Like I'm not, I don't feel safe anymore and secure like I used to. I don't have the luxury of not having to think about death and dying every day. And so sometimes it's hard for us, even after treatment, to get back to normal. People think like, oh, you're going to bounce back. A treatment's over. You should bounce back to who you were. But maybe I don't because I'm forever changed. And so those kind of things can can be difficult because people don't necessarily understand what you're going through. And so that makes um, it sometimes hard to talk to people. Um, and, and then they're not necessarily asking what's going on with you because you know, we have this tendency to avoid uncomfortable things. We don't want to bring stuff up. So we try to deal with everything but the fact that you have this diagnosis. So um, what do we do, right? So said I wanted to kind of talk about um, things that, strategies to, to manage once we receive this diagnosis and then um, strategies for, for, for family members uh, to support loved ones uh, and, and friends, coworkers, uh, who have been church members who have been diagnosed and then how we deal with the aftermath of losing someone to cancer. So it's always important for us to understand what we're going through. Information helps our brains be able to settle in terms of our anxiety about stuff. And I know sometimes we're like, oh, don't find out worst case scenario. But sometimes there's a little bit of peace and understanding. OK, here's the likelihood that this treatment works. Here's how common this cancer is. Here's how this cancer usually affects a person. Here's the type of treatments that are best. It allows us to feel like we got a little bit more control. So we can ask those questions of our provider. We can get that understanding. And it's a little bit settling for us sometimes to have that information and for family members too. So we can know, because there may be changes that need to be made um, during this present moment, but even after um, I'm done with treatment. And so being able to understand that is helpful for people. Um, I think it's important to take somebody with you. Uh, this is not something you want to be doing on your own. And a lot of times people don't want to feel like a burden or they're afraid for people to know their personal health and in health information. But I do encourage you because when you're hearing that information, it's a lot to process. So even if someone just goes to take notes, they don't even talk. You do all the talking, but they take the notes. And sometimes we're forgetful about things like we don't remember everything that we're experiencing and we don't remember everything the doctor said. And so sometimes having another person in that room, they can be helpful. Um, you know, yeah, you get in, in a position, you're like, I know I know the answer to that, but I can't think of it right now because I'm just so overwhelmed. And then this person can help um, and sometimes provide uh, meaningful information, particularly as you're talking about managing different medications. Um, finding meaningful, purposeful activity because even as you're tired and you're dealing with treatment, it is important for you to find something that you feel like you're doing daily um, because that allows you to be able to put your focus on other stuff. And we need something in between digesting the diagnosis and dealing with the treatment to be able to, to manage. So that's when doing that purposeful activity, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It may be a, a small thing. Maybe you're reaching out and calling people and checking on people just wanting to feel useful um, because I may not be able to have the physical energy to get up and do much, but maybe I'm able to have a brief conversation. You just find the ways that you or have people come in and listen to their day or whatever it may be that you can tolerate. Utilize that support system. A lot of times we do withdraw because we're managing all of these different emotions. 
that's when that support system can really, really be helpful. Um, I think it's really important that we have um, hope, right? Uh, because you're dealing with so many different emotions and concerns and hope can be really, really helpful, not only after I've accepted this diagnosis and I'm moving forward uh, in this grief cycle, um, but, but thinking about the possibilities of things I can do as a survivor. There have been millions of people who have survived cancer. We are the furthest along we have been in the treatment of cancer. Um, cancer treatments have gotten to the point where they're uh, not all as intrusive as they used to be. And so those kind of things can be really helpful in terms of, hey, I can beat this thing, right? Hope is very healing. But then also plan your days. If you're able to, whatever you're able to do, and you have to listen to your body, right? Um, that's very important. But what you're able to do, do it. Plan your days as close to what you used to do as possible to give you that structure and, and give you that, um, again, that hope of things can get back to normal. And you don't have to limit yourself necessarily because you have cancer. Like, uh, I think sometimes we feel like, I don't wanna get too excited. I don't, like, we're gonna shake the cancer up in there. Um, but do as much as you're able to do. Uh, that's important because that allows your body to be able to help you fight, right? So it needs some resources too. So when you do things you enjoy and you get out and you have a routine and you interact with people, like that kicks up those endorphins, that allows you to be able to, to fight and heal um, and, and think like, hey, today I don't have a lot of energy, but I sure did enjoy yesterday, right? So that allows you to be able to, to um, have those things that you can look forward to and think about on those tougher days. Um, look for reasons to have that hope. Write them, write them down. Talk to other people about them. Spend time in nature. Nature can be really healing. Sometimes our feet just need to touch the earth. Uh, reflect on your spiritual and religious beliefs. Listen to stories about other people who have survived cancer and are leading active lives. That can be important in your healing. Gratitude, right? The little things. Sometimes we forget about those little things. Um, going places you haven't been, trying foods you haven't tried, or enjoying different foods. You can cook them or somebody can cook them for you. Spend time with your family and friends. Heal some of those relationships that you don't even remember why we're upset with each other. Might be a good time to revisit that and mend some of those things. Pray, uh, meditate, reflect, go to a live sports event. You know, going, going back to things that you used to enjoy that you haven't been able to do can be really helpful. Like, hey, these are things I don't wanna have regrets about. Express your feelings because oftentimes we keep those things in. We don't wanna hurt other people's feelings. We don't wanna burden them. We don't, but get those feelings out because if you don't, those feelings set up and they can fester illness. So we wanna release those emotions, find those positive things uh, that, that we enjoy, laughter, um, little things that people have done that we appreciated. Um, don't blame yourself for this cancer. Uh, cancer chose you, you didn't choose it. Try to be upbeat, even when you don't feel like it. So take that shower, put on some clothes, um, do your hair. All of those things can make a difference because sometimes when we feel better, when we look better, we feel better. When we get up and get moving, like, oh, you know, I didn't feel like doing it, but now that I'm actually doing it, you know, I feel good. 
relax as much as you can in healthy ways, but be active too, right? As much as you can be active, move around, help that body get back to its healing and find the things you can control. Like, hey, I can control being the healthiest person I can be. I can't control this cancer. My treatment team is working with me to be able to address it, but I can control taking the best care of me. And for us loved ones who are trying to support people, um, we have to acknowledge our emotions too, but we need to be mindful of where and how, because uh, it's not about us, it's about this person. And so there are some things that I might not need to process with you emotionally, because I may need to be supportive and calm for you. And I may only need to listen, not try to fix things and not do all this talking. Um, and I know, especially for us uh, who are, are caregivers by nature, we want to fix things and help. But sometimes we just need to be there, be in the space, be in the presence and be, be quiet. Um, and just, just allow this person to be and feel whatever it is that they need. And we just hear. Um, we are going to have a range of emotions and so are they. And so we need to be understanding about that, that that irritability isn't about me, that these mood swings are not about me. Um, but I want to be as supportive and, and empathetic and understanding of you as I can. Uh, this is not the time to, to fight. <laughs> you know, we, we like to address conflicts when folks are uh, down, right? So that's not the time. Whatever conflicts we had, we put those on hold. Let's get through this healing and, and be able to focus on making sure you have what you need. So if conflicts are happening outside, then that's where they need to stay. They don't need to come in here with this person who is fighting enough with this cancer. Um, we unfortunately do have to have those difficult conversations. End of life planning. What happens, this cancer has progressed to the point where treatment options are not going to be effective. Um, what's your desires? You want a funeral? You want a memorial? Is your will in place? Do you have an advanced directive? Do you have an attorney to manage estate planning? These are the things that we often don't want to deal with. And then when something happens, we're not prepared. Have those conversations. That doesn't mean that you don't have hope, but we also have to be realistic, right? We want to be a, a combination of positive and realistic because the truth is everyone does not survive cancer. And that is tough for us, but we have to face that too. And we don't need to pretend with this person and be Pollyannish that we're not at this place in this discussion. Um, if you're far away, reach out, call, text, video, um, send things in the mail, uh, supportive, supportive things, gifts, people like gifts, send food. Um, sometimes just a caring gesture of, uh, I remember when I lost my mom, a friend came over, just washed clothes for me. And I was so grateful because I, I just, I just didn't have it. Um, and, and sometimes we just need to give people a list of things, um, like, Hey, of these things, what can I help you with? Uh, what's your greatest need, right? And sometimes people don't know. So that's why it's important to, can I help you with these things? But also be mindful that when you come over to a person's space, you do need to have an invitation and you do need to know when to leave. So don't linger um, and overextend your stay because a lot of times we want to be more involved than we need to be. Be mindful. People are tired and they need their rest. So we want to come over, do this gesture of support and love, and then we want to we wanna move out of that space. Um don't forget the caregivers because there are people in this family, the kids, who are also affected. That is important for us to um, make sure we love and support. Um, arrange for in-home services, transportation, the basic things that, that people need that are often today. How you're going to get to your appointments. Do you want somebody to sit with you? 
uh, things like that that could be helpful. We can rotate. We can help family members out. The, the, the parents need help We're getting kids places. So there's a lot of ways we can support. And then in those cases where we do lose that loved one um, to cancer, then share those stories. Laugh. Use your gifts. Start things in memory of them. Celebrate them. Say their names. Uh, continue their legacy. Keep in touch with their children. Make sure that they have support from their aunties and uncles uh, and the places that, that you can be in their lives. Thinking about their, their financial well-being as well as their educational well-being as well as their nutritional health. Right? Um, be in communion with other grievers. Be around people that also are experiencing this loss and having this shared experience. Um, celebrate them in ways that they would want to be honored. Allow yourself to grieve and be sad and not, you know, hide those emotions away. We often like, the, oh, well, let me go get some chicken and take care of this person and not deal with my emotions. Um, but I need to attend to my emotions too. And in the event that you are still dealing with emotions and it's very difficult for you, please make sure you reach out to a grief group or to an individual psychological provider to get support. Sometimes people do need medication to help them through. Sometimes we have complicated grief and we've got to talk through a lot of difficult things. How this person died, how I felt, my guilt, all the woulda, shouldas, all of those things can really affect us. And so we may need a little bit deeper work than that. There might have been some anger at this person or resentment that died with them, but I'm still dealing with the repercussions of it. Um, it fights over estates and all of those things that need to be managed and attorneys and some of that stuff that has to happen too. But above all else, make sure that you know that you are stronger with other people. We are stronger together. So communicate what you need as well as a griever and make sure that you do your utmost to take the best care of you. All right. You all be well.